0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Mindful Metal Jacket. I am Joe List. I am happy you're here. And this is the seventh take of this introduction. The introductions are very difficult. I really feel like a psychopath just talking to myself. And uh, it really feels like that scene, in Swingers, where uh, John Favreau, Mike, keeps making the phone call over and over again. That's what I feel like. But anyways, this one I'm keeping no matter what, even if I say something awful and sound like an idiot, I'm keeping it because I've been talking to myself for a half hour now, and it's embarrassing. Anyways, I'm so happy you're here because this is a very exciting episode to me, a very special episode to me. I have a very special guest named Richard Lang on the podcast. Every once in a while, I'll I'll just take a swing and, and email somebody that I've never met and see if they'll do the show. And uh, I'll get lucky and they'll respond and and be open to doing it. I think the pandemic helps. I think a lot of people are at home with not much to do. So I got a a great guest. Um, Richard Lang is somebody that I heard about through um, Sam Harris's Waking Up app. Richard Lang has his own um, section on there, a department, whatever you call it. There's uh, his own... Unit, uh, I don't, know, I don't know what you call it, but I first heard him on an hour long, hour or so long conversation with Sam, describing something called the Headless Way, and um, you can go to headless dot org to hear about it. And um, I guess I should probably just let him describe it, but basically, it's a way to understand your own experience with consciousness. I don't want to say too much because. I'll probably uh muck it up and it won't make any sense. But the basic idea is that when you look out into the world you can't see your own head. There's only space where you're where you know your head to be. And experientially you're just seeing the world. Uh while other people are seeing your head in your experience there's nothing there. There's just space and um there's a few experiments you can uh, do, which we kind of go over on the podcast, so I invite you to do it along with Richard and I. And um, it's uh, sort of quite profound when you um, sink into it. I don't want to say sink into it, that sounds weird, but when you experience it and realize it, and just it's just an um, excellent way to realize uh, who you are and the experience of self. But Like I said, I'm probably making it sound wacky-do, so you can go to headless.org or just continue listening to the podcast. Um, Richard has um, written a couple books and done a lot of... There's a ton of stuff on his YouTube, which I recommend of him talking about it, little workshops and exercises, experiments, and um, it's fantastic. His website is great. His YouTube is great. He is great. He has an extremely calming voice, and, uh, presence. I think you're really going to get a lot out of this and really enjoy it. I know I did. So it was uh, a thrill to have him on and, um, yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it. I'm really excited. And, uh, if you're not doing anything later, go swing over to my YouTube and, um, go to his YouTube, subscribe to him and subscribe to my YouTube. Joe List just shot a short little film sketch called Trim. That I'm uh, happy with. Greg Stone is in there. Past guest, Greg Stone, he's absolutely hilarious, and uh, he just uh, really steals the show. It makes me laugh out loud. So go check that out. And uh, of course, Connor's Ultimate Movies is a web series I did that uh, most people did not watch. Show, check that out. And of course, I'm doing the new podcast with Ronan Hirschberg, who is wonderful and a hilarious comedian. It's called Joe and Ron on Talk Movies. We just talked about Tarantino. And uh, tonight we have an episode where we talk about David Fincher, Who Stinks. And um, there's a lot of good stuff on there. So go check out my YouTube, trying to build that up. And I think we're going to have some clips from this show on there soon, soon enough. So please go be part of that. And of course, um, check out I Hate Myself on YouTube, my special. We're over two and a half million views. So I appreciate you for that. And um, I also highly recommend the Tuesdays with Stories Patreon, which has tons and tons of bonus stuff. So those are some plugs. I appreciate it. I hope you're being safe. I hope you're uh, taking care. Great news out there with the vaccine. I think things are really improving, and I've heard things, even the New York Times, which is usually appalling and terrifying, that um, we're going to get out of this thing. So... Be safe. Be careful. Hold out hope, and uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be back. And also, take time noticing that uh, you have no head. As it were. You'll you'll understand more after listening to Richard. Please enjoy this wonderful conversation with Richard. Oh, I almost forgot to give you a a fun little quote. I've been reading uh, Pema Chodron. I think I'm saying her name right. Reading her book, Welcoming the Unwelcome. And um, here's a little quote about how our wisdom can change the world. Whether distraction and aggression proliferate globally or peacefulness and harmony grow stronger depends on how we, as citizens of the world, feel about ourselves. Be kind to yourselves, folks. You deserve compassion, you deserve love. Now, enjoy the wonderful, soothing sounds of Richard Lang. Thank you. Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome. Uh, glad to be here, Joe.
0: Yes. Um, I'm, so I just said this off camera, off recording. I get very nervous talking to people that aren't comedians. Actually, I get nervous talking to comedians also, but um, people I consider to be uh, experts in any field just really terrify me because I feel like I'm going to come off like a, like a dummy. So well, please, what,
1: what I'm on about, Joe, is, is who you really are and no one is an expert on that except you. I'm an expert on it in terms of me, but the message of The Headless Way is look for yourself and each of us is the one and only authority on what it's like to be you. So if I can put you at at ease uh, in that respect, that's what it's about.
0: Okay, great, so I'm, I'm, but I'm still, Nervous, but that's not who I am. Is that right? Am I getting this right?
1: Say that again.
0: I said so. I'm, a, I'm nervous, but that's not like who I am. Is that correct?
1: Well, I think that we talk about this in our own ways, and I would say that's part of you, uh, but it's not the, it's not the, the central you. Uh, the central you. You don't see your head. You're looking out of open space. I'm sure I am. And, but in that aware space, is feelings of nervousness, and, and we all understand that. We're all, don't we all feel nervous sometimes? I do. Yes.
0: Right. Yes, certainly. Well, you have a voice that is just calming. I feel like you could just be, you know, reading microwave instructions on a meal, and it would it would calm me down. You just have that uh, that quality. I don't know if it's the voice or the accent or the combination. So I'm grateful for that and. It's always interesting to meet and talk to somebody who I've spent quite a bit of time listening to you. I've, I listened to um, your conversation on the Waking Up app, which I reference a lot on this podcast. That's how I found out about you. And then you have a whole series on there, which I've spent a lot of time listening to. And I feel like I grasp what you're talking about. I have moments of really seeing it and understanding it, and it's moving. And then there's other times where I think, ah, this is crazy, I'm not doing it right. I wonder if you could explain a little bit about what you do and and what the Headless Way is all about, So, because I think a lot of people may not be familiar.
1: Yes. Well, uh, the the thing about the Headless Way is it's directing your attention to what it's like to be you, which uh, you could call your first-person experience, your experience of what it's like to be you. And it relies on your own direct evidence, not on what others say. So at the heart of the headless way are experiments. This was developed by Douglas Harding, who is dead now. And he developed a whole load of experiments for testing a hypothesis. It's a very modern approach. And uh, I think it's, it's quite a long way ahead of its time in a way. But it says, uh, it, it takes, if I, I'll, I'll put it in context for the listener who may know nothing about this. Um, on the one hand, uh, the great mystics say at your, at your center is a wonderful treasure, and this treasure uh, is uh, spirit or awareness or God or self. It, it, these are names for something that really is nonverbal. But they say that to wake up to this treasure, which is nearer to you than your breathing, is to discover something wonderful about yourself that you've been overlooking. And that if you're aware of this in your life from now on, it it, is just a blessing. Now, in no way am I asking anyone to believe that. But it is a claim worth testing. But here's another context, which is more kind of scientific, if you like. Because what that question that the mystics are attempting to answer is, is who am I? What am I? And in other words, they're saying, you're not what you look like. You're not the one you see in the mirror, really. You are that, but at a deeper level, you're you're something uh, quite different from that, pure awareness. Now, in a scientific context, what you are depends on the range of the observer. And if uh, I'm looking at you, from a few feet away, I'll see Joe uh, and I'll say, well, you're Joe, but it's it's actually truer to say you're Joe from here because if I come up to you and uh, accept what I find uh, at a certain point, you're just a patch of skin and I come closer and you're just cells, then molecules, then atoms and almost nothing, in other words, you're like an onion in that you've got layers and Joe is one of those layers. And indeed, if I went away from you, then I would no longer see Joe. I'd see that you're the city that you live in, then the country, the planet, the star, the galaxy. So the onion has layers all the way from the galaxy to particles. And uh, Joe is a very important layer, but he's not the only one and he's not central. And we identify with these layers. This isn't just a kind of abstract scientific observation. You identify with Joe. You identify with your family, your city, your country, hopefully your planet. Then you're worried about an aching tooth. So you expand and contract all the time. Now, the question is, what are you at the center of all these layers? Well, it's obviously not Joe because Joe is what I see from a few feet away via the camera, we're looking at each other on the screen. And uh, the question is, what are you at zero? Well, the only way to find out is to look. And one of the experiments which the listener can do, which is just embarrassingly kind of childlike really, is to direct your attention first out and then in and uh, I I really encourage the listener to do this because unless you have the experience it's all just words so if you take your index index finger and point at something in front of you I can see Joe doing it which is great and look along your finger you'll notice you're pointing at a thing it's as simple as this I mean it's ridiculous really but uh, it's an experiment now point at your other hand another thing now turn your finger around hold it a couple of feet away and point back at where others see your face in other words the place you're looking out of now do you see a thing there i don't i just see my finger and uh, where i'm pointing i would call it space awareness transparency there's nothing here except space for the finger now uh, in broader terms uh, you just can't see your own head that's why it's called the headless way Uh, Instead, you see the world. Now, I don't believe anyone can see their own head. I'm not talking about looking out there in a mirror. That's what you look like at a few feet away or what someone else sees. That's what you look like a few feet away or what the camera shows. That's what you look like a few feet away. I'm talking about what you are uh, at zero. And I accept that your view of me is valid from there. But I also claim that my view of me is also valid. They're both valid. So I know that for you, I'm Richard, but for here, I'm a headless space full of the world. Now, when you said earlier that sometimes you think you've got it and then you don't, uh, I think what you're talking about is sometimes you uh, think, think about it and think you've got it and you're understanding it and what it might mean. And, it, you, and then the understanding goes. Well, of course, it will, but the actual observation that you can't see your head never goes. So uh, this is really uh, recognizing a basic truth about yourself and uh, whether or not it makes you feel better or or you understand it or think you understand it. Now, there are a whole range of experiments which... uh, Look at uh, the question of who one is from one's own point of view from all kinds of angles, including eyes closed. And uh, we can also think about it in terms of personal development, where it fits in. But it's a well-rounded um, kind of approach. Douglas Harding uh, came, you know, uh, was worked on this from the 1930s, discovered he was headless in 1943, and spent the rest of his long life uh, writing books about why it made sense.
0: (laughs) So, so what we're getting at essentially is um, kind of what referred to as non-duality, right? Is that, I mean, is that sort of what we're talking about? Do I understand that correctly? The idea of, you know, there's me, I have my mind and there's my body and there's, there's, if I'm saying that, Right. This is, see, this is where I get nervous that I'm going to sound like a dum-dum. But um, no, you're essentially, not, Joe, you're essentially not. we're getting at non-duality, right?
1: Well, let me uh, just put my personal point of view, which is all it is, um, is I, I understand non-duality, but I don't use the word much, you know, the phrase much myself, I, because I also treasure duality uh, mm. because the feeling of being Richard separate from Joe is vitally important. Right. But that happens within this one consciousness that I'm aware of, so it's non-dual that includes a dual. But that—that's horribly technical to me, you know. But right, uh, right. So I—I uh, I think the thing about this experience—it's non-verbal. You can describe it in lots of different ways, and you can never pin it down, especially to one end of a kind of spectrum or paradox.
0: Right, and so what I was referring to earlier that I think about is there are moments where, and, and I use Sam Harris's um, daily guided meditation, and a lot of times he'll invoke the Headless Way on there, and I've gone through all your um, exercises on the app, and it's, it's really interesting and enjoyable, and so there'll be times where I really um, experience that feeling of like, wow, and I actually feel this, that there is emptiness, there is nothing there, and it really comes through, and then it's almost like out of um, fear, like this weird survival mechanism where my brain goes, no, 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 you have a head. What are you talking about? These guys are crazy. And I guess it's just, I don't know if it's a fear of, of that growth or that experience, or it's just um, ego that comes in and says, no, 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 you have a head. What are you crazy? You're a comedian. You live in New York. Um, like this, this fear of, of that emptiness, which some people refer to as, enlightenment or whatever? Is that just a fear of growth or is it confusing or am I doing it wrong? What's going on there?
1: You're not doing it wrong, Uh, but uh, I think it's all of those probably. And uh, I I think that uh, this is, although it seems very superficial, you can't see your head. Um, Often actually what people, well, what people sometimes do is they see this They notice, if you look now, you can't see your face. Instead, you see the world. And then they go, whoa, (laughs) right? Wow. And then they stop looking and just think.
0: Right, right.
1: And if you just think about it, it sounds crazy. And it sounds frightening. And it sounds, you know, completely mad, really. Uh, So you can understand if someone goes straight into thinking, why they might reject it. The the thing about the Headless Way is have the courage to go back to just the observation. Settle down a bit, uh, don't criticize yourself. It's, it's okay to feel frightened or ha- think it's mad, but check it out, you see, uh, seriously. Uh, and don't just uh, kind of uh, follow your fear come back to it uh, if, you know, if you're interested. And uh, for example, here's an application that um, is very uh, important really, in terms of relationships. Now, when you uh, the listener can't see this, but we are on Zoom and we can see two faces on the screen. So Joe is is head-to-head, face-to-face with Richard. We can see that. There's a gap between them. And that's the view from outside, isn't it? That's the, the view of a third person might see that looking at us. Right. But, uh, so we've got that. And uh, um, I'll talk more about de- the development from a baby to the adult in terms of this, but we've got that. But now when I look at you directly from my point of view, not that third person outside view, I only see Joe's face. I don't see mine. And I call it face- to no face. And I say, well, right now, I, I really don't see Richard's face in the way of Joe. I'm empty for Joe, I'm space for Joe. And uh, there's nothing in, in the way. Now this is a very, uh, this is an honest thing. Uh, it is a welcoming thing because I'm saying I'm built open for you. And uh, this means I'm being attentive to you and respectful of you, but it also just being honest with myself really. Now, that is a very different way of relating to people. You know, you can't notice your face no face without noticing the other person. Right. And being receptive to them. And uh, you can do this anywhere. Uh, This isn't a meditation that you have to retire from the world to do. Uh, You can do it at the checkout. And I... Uh, I am I am convinced uh, from my own experience and from those of many many friends that when you are aware of this with people, they'll they'll notice something because you're attending to them. Right. It's a nonverbal thing. Uh, you're 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 valuing them. You're uh, and all of that. So there is a, a very practical application and the view from outside, which is our model relationship, which is face to face is very important. And it, it uh, you know, so that I understand where I stop and you begin, that's the duality bit, you see, but that by itself is really separation by itself. But when you include your own actual experience, it's non-separation is face to no face. And this is just a very different way. It doesn't, it's not utopia, you know, but a very different way of relating to so-called others. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. So it's interesting because, and I think um, in the conversation you had with Sam, you guys got to this point too, that as you say, when you're talking to somebody, if you're um, if you're thinking about your own face and your own self, I mean, that's like the definition of self-conscious, which sort of takes you out of the conversation, whatever they're saying, uh, because you're worrying about, you know, your own, your own face and your own thoughts, you're kind of out of that experience. Mm. Is that right?
1: That's right. And also, I mean, this might be something you're familiar with. I, I know that, uh, uh well, a, a little bit from my own experience and from those of friends, that if you are giving a talk to a crowd, you know, a group, you're giving a lecture or a talk, or, you know, you do, I, I suppose you do stand up or something like that. Yes. One of the things that, uh, is, Why people don't want to do it is they feel self-conscious and they feel uh, separate under inspection and small and uh, criticized and all of that and that it it stops people even trying. Now this is a, a, um, a kind of remedy for this now it's not it doesn't produce results results just overnight. But you're seeing that you're empty for the group, for the people. You know, you're the space in which they have. There's much friendlier setup than being, confronting them uh, and, and so on. So, uh, and also when you're, you see, if you're being self-conscious, then you're thinking of yourself and you're probably, you know, wondering how you're going down and, and uh, you're seeing yourself as, as limited. But when you... And, and I don't think we can get rid of that. And that's important to have. But when you are aware of your own point of view, my voice now isn't coming out of Richard's mouth. It's coming out of no face, out of silence. And it's coming from a place that's unlimited and is uh, just supremely creative and fertile and imaginative and it is for everyone this is not something that special that i'm doing no one when you're talking no one can see your their own face now this is actually taking that seriously or attending to it or drawing on it and you've got to live it you've got to test it out but this is really reconnecting with a kind of you know, profound creativity and spontaneity that we all know from when we we're very, very young, when you just make things up as you go along, when you, you know, you jump around if you feel like it, and, well, uh, you see, the, it, you could say there's four main stages in your development, potentially, the baby, when you're not self-conscious at all, in other words, you're just headless, you're empty for the world your mum's face you know there's nothing in the way right. and uh, there you are and you just be yourself you see now through language as you're growing up as a child and by looking in the mirror you start to learn what you look like and you start to take that image from the mirror and pull it out and flip it the other way around and make it bigger and put it on like a mask and act and learn to act as if you're behind that face as if you're talking through your mouth and you're in this body, and as a child, you haven't got very that very, going very well yet. You know, so it isn't easy to be a, an aeroplane as a little boy or girl, right? Because you haven't you, you you have to learn who you are in society. You don't know to begin with, and that is really going out and looking at back at yourself in imagination through everyone's eyes, and what you see in the mirror, and all of that. Now, but, so it's very creative because you, you, you're now able to use language and move about, which you didn't have as a, as a baby, but you're not fixed yet. So it's very creative. You, 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 children's drawings and uh, just being, if you ask a child, a young child, you know, who wants to make a drawing? Everyone in the class puts their hand up, right? Right. Now you ask the same group. 10 years later, you know, no, no, oh, I know, I don't know, I did not I, you know, because they've been put in their boxes. Right. You see, they're not in a box, but now they act as if they are, and that has stifled their creativity and their spontaneity and their, their openness. So by the time we're adults, you know, put someone on the stage and they're supremely aware of what they look like, you know, they're not going to jump up and down and just be, like a child would on the stage, you know, before it's been got self-conscious. So the third stage is, the first stage baby, headless, open, don't know who you are, don't care. Second stage, child, learning to uh, become responsible for what others say you are, but not being very clear on what that is yet. So being very creative and spontaneous, generally. Third stage, the adult. I am what I look like. I'm the one I, I see in the mirror. Uh, I take responsibility for myself as Richard or, you know, great, you see. But now I'm in my box. Right. <laughs> now, don't stop there. You, now that you've got aware of who you are in society and you, you don't even have to think about it. I mean, you don't have to think about being Joe. You just are Joe, you see. So you've got that going. Now, take a fresh look and see who you really are, which is this open space, you see, full of the world. Now, of course, you've sort of got to get used to this. And just as it took years to really get used to being Joe until you didn't have to think about it, it'll take time for you to get used to being who you really are. But my God, the the benefits are all come back of spontaneity, of creativity, of... uh, 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 being at ease with others of uh, uh, rediscovering the world which is in the space as Richard I'm in the world but as who I really am the world is in me both go together you see now uh, this is what I'm on about and a wonderful wonderful discovery that is just at the tip of your fingers you know point back there it is on your side of the tip of your finger, you know? It is right. that, and people dismiss it because they think, oh, it can't be, you know, you can't be serious, really. Mm-hmm. Well, Douglas Harding, all his books show how uh, this makes sense scientifically, it makes sense in terms of what the great mystics have said, it takes makes sense in terms of um, personal development, and, then, and it's just verifiable by your own experience. I'm not asking you to believe what I say, I'm saying, check it out, do the experiments on the website, you know, and
0: so on. Right. Okay. So I have a, a several questions and my, my mind starts to go everywhere because I want to go different ways with this. But one question on for you in your experience, how often are you, is it now just your, your default to, to live this way and feel this way, or do you still do the exercise? Is this something you wake up and, 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 and point at yourself to recognize still, or is it just, come naturally now in conversation, or is it, do you have to actively sort of work on this and do this?
1: Uh, well, it's a bit of both, but I mean, if I was to say, Joe, do, do you, when you wake up, do you have to remind yourself you're Joe? You know, you don't, do you? Right. Because, you know, that you, you it's just deep in you. And uh, this is what happens with waking up to who you really are. Uh, now, to begin with, when you, when you were a, a child, you had to keep reminding yourself. You had to learn how to spell your name. You know, you had to remember what your middle name, I don't know what, you know, all of that. And, right. Well, it, uh, so uh, there are, there's benefit in doing the experiments. But the experiments, um, you see, I do them quite a lot because I go around sharing this. But honestly, uh, I never tire of them because it's always in the present moment, all right? What am I now? I might have been deluding myself. Let me point back at the place I'm looking out of. Oh, it's refreshingly empty. (laughs) You see, now uh, people are different, Uh, but you see, I'm now noticing my single eye. Right? I'm not looking out of two peepholes in a meatball. I'm looking out one opening and the view fades out all the way around into consciousness, emptiness, you see. Now, am I doing an experiment? I don't know. I mean, yeah, you could call it that. But I'm just noticing what it's like to be me. Or if I'm in the car, am I moving or is the scenery moving through me, you see? Right. Or walking through, you know, to the next room. I'm still, or I'm when I'm with you now. Am I, you know, am I? I don't know. It's just so natural. I, I'm empty for you. I mean, this is so natural. So, uh, but I think, uh, in a way, uh, at a certain level, you've got to get back into the into the habit of being who you really are, because you've been pretending to be a person. <laughs>
0: Right, right,
1: right. <laughs> now, when you wake up to who you are, you still pretend to be a person, but that's a different kind of pretense. The first pretense, uh, uh, you know, in, in the stage of the adult is conviction you're a person and that's all you are. But the fourth one is, oh, I realize I'm appearing as Richard, but really I'm the one. And it's the one in me is the same as the one in you. Now, that changes my relationship with you because it's one consciousness. Right, because right. you don't see you you don't see a name on the emptiness where you are. You don't see a, a nationality or an age or a gender. You see,
0: right? Boy, it gets uh, trippy. Like I feel like I'm <laughs> I'm high thinking about it. But no, it's great. And and that's yes, really yes. And let
1: me just say something about that because uh, I welcome that because why not? And it's very healthy to have expansive feelings, but the feelings will go. Uh, but the headlessness won't and it is something that one learns as one goes along that the feelings are to be welcomed like that but they will go so when they do go you're not under the impression you've lost it you've just lost that particular state of mind and you really need to lose it at some point so the next one can come along
0: (laughs) right right yeah. So, I mean, how does that work with, like, I imagine at, at times, you seem like a, a very zen, for lack of a better word, person, but there must be times where you stub your toe or you get angry. I mean, does does um, yeah. headless way come into play there? I mean, if you, if you walk, you stub your toe on the table and you go, Jesus, I want to kill somebody. <laughs> Do you go into... The headless way. And it, it oh yes, falls. every day
1: I, I want to go somewhere. No, yeah. <laughs> well, yes, you see, this is the, the mistake or fallacy that you know, if you wake up to who you are, you're never going to get angry again. Nonsense. Nonsense. This And this is not a program about how you should behave. This is wake up to who you are, which is as simple as pointing and looking, and then see how it works out. So it's not telling you that you now you must behave and if you get angry, you're not doing it nonsense. Just as your face is in the emptiness, so the anger comes up in the emptiness. Right. And uh, this isn't being holier than thou or some nonsense like that.
0: Right. Well, so that's the nature of uh, meditation, it feels like, which essentially this is a meditation, is that? So that's the nature of meditation is discovering that you are just this space, this consciousness for all of, anger, embarrassment, sadness, whatever is coming up, it's its just appearing in this consciousness. Well, that's right.
1: And this is two-way meditation. One may, way meditation is just the view out into, you know, right now I can see you, but I'm also aware of my feelings and thoughts. That's all content. But right. the, the view back, if you like, the other way, is into the emptiness. So it's not just aware of the content or your breathing or your thoughts. is aware of the space in which that's happening as well. And don't miss out on that, on awareness of the space. I mean, you can't do it wrong. You can't half see it. Um, so that is uh, meditation, two-way meditation, two-way attention. Yes, which you can do anywhere.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's an exercise I do a lot too in meditation is with um, eyes closed to, to really focus on the feeling. And I know I have hands or my hands are on my thighs or whatever. But with eyes closed, if I really focus on the the tingling or the heat or the feeling, the hands can actually disappear. I'm just I'm imagining hands because I know that I have hands. But if I'm not looking at I'm just feeling them, it's actually just a feeling. It's just a sensation.
1: I know, you see, there are all thing, all kinds of things to discover uh, because we've been taken for granted. We know what is what. Right. Uh, and now when we pay attention, nothing really changes except we notice it wasn't what we thought. So, I mean, for example, I'm closing my eyes now. The listener can do this. And just on present evidence, how big are you? Well, I mean, what evidence have you? You don't see your body. You, you don't, you've you just got a darkness. I can't say how big the darkness is. There's nothing to compare it with. And these body sensations, uh, from memory, I have a kind of map, but on present evidence, what shape are they? How big? I can't say. And uh, if I am aware of my voice, where is it coming from? It's just coming out of the out of the silence, if you like, and going back into it. And the thoughts and feelings are the same. So I'm not at all what I look like. I'm, I'm this emptiness full of darkness and sensations. Plus, you know, if I go to the, the sensation of my right foot, I've got an image of my right foot, which I didn't have as a baby. So I've learned that that's really useful. But the image, it, it doesn't define that and doesn't define me. So then I open my eyes and I recreate the world in the emptiness. It just appears, you see. Now, all of this, you see, when I say, okay, to people, I say, notice the difference between the inside and the outside. So when I close my eyes, nothing happens to the world, and I open my eyes. Now, when you do it, you see, the world disappears, the the room disappears, and then you open your eyes, and you recreate it. Oh, you know, that's a trick. Because we have been told that the only way of understanding it is what other people tell us they see. But from inside, I really do make the room disappear and make it reappear. And, and that is, a, I think as, as infants, we, we played with that, you know, you make, make it disappear, make it reappear. It's kind of fun. But all the great mystics say that who you really are is so wonderful and glorious and has all these powers such as being able to make things disappear and reappear So. That's nonsense. Well, close your eyes. What? You know, you're not denying the outside view that the world is still there and you're just closing your eyes. But the inside view, you're also taking seriously, which is such, you know, also if you're walking down the street, you're still and the street moves through you. I mean, it's relativity applied. Yeah. Yeah, so that's- we, We've got a lot of catching up to do and a lot of resistance. You see, when people resist this, i say i'm not surprised because it is so different from what you've been told right. and uh, if you if you feel resistant i say i think that means because you've actually seen what i'm talking about
0: <laughs> right now so what do you think should we be teaching this to everybody, teaching it in school, because you talked about when when we're we're kids, we're more fun, more creative, more up for things, and then we sort of lose that and become cynical, because I guess we lose sight of that. So if it were up to you, if you were, you know, the uh, president of the universe here, would we be teaching this in in fifth grade, kindergarten, middle school? No,
1: no, 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 for for, uh, several reasons. uh, it, uh, just as I wouldn't teach it to anybody, because you, uh, it, it, you, what you're sort of doing is imposing your own point of view there, and right. that isn't uh, what it's about. Uh, it, 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 and you see, everyone is this. You, no one can see their own head. But I, I think the thing with with kids, you see, is. They're at the stage of the journey where they're learning to get their head on, learning to, you know, discovering who they are in society and learning to be that and learning to take responsibility for that and accept that others are the same. And th- this is absolutely vital. And if you uh, t- t- tell kids that they're not what they look like, it's gonna be very confusing. It's not what they need to know. They, they know that deeply and they, they wanna join society. They wanna get their head on. Well, that, you know, and you're there partly to facilitate that, you see. So now, that, but the thing is, if a, a, for example, a child, suddenly kind of becomes aware they're headless right mm-hmm. you know which wouldn't be a surprise it's so familiar and the child says to a teacher uh, you know god i feel just like space teacher now if the teacher is aware of being space they go yeah no that's fine that's quite normal you know and the child relaxes right because its experience is validated and then it goes off and try, and becomes a, you know gets on with the job of becoming a person right. but if that adult is not aware of being spaced and goes oh don't be silly that's stupid now that is suppressing the truth that that it, and i think that's tricky but if you uh, i had a friend who whose mother was a non dualist quote-unquote, and brought up her daughter to not use the word I because it was an illusion. You know how confusing that was? Really confusing. Until she met me and understood that it's fine to have both. right? Right. Now, when I go around sharing the headless way, I only do it really if I'm invited. I don't go around, but, you know grabbing people by the collar and, she, you know, I, I'm here talking to you because you've invited me. I'm very happy to talk about it, but I'm aware that everyone is this, and this is just my own way of articulating this wonderful fact. Um, yeah.
0: Interesting. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your past and how you um, came into this. Was there, did it, for me, getting into meditation, buddhism, and and leading me here to you was from um a feeling of discontent, of anxiety, panic. I was having panic attacks and anxiety and and depression, and thought i got I gotta figure something out here." So it set me into this sort of mm. deep searching, and it's been very beneficial. And I was a big hypochondriac, and i've I've gotten much better with that through meditation and all of these things. Is that? what led you to this were you did were you an anxious person or somebody dealing with depression or anything like that and that sent you looking for this or did you uh come across it i know i understand that you discovered this through douglas harding who sort of initiated this how did yeah. you come to find him
1: well i, I i'm i i'm uh, just anxious and suffer from depression like most people I I, and uh Uh, you know, a human in that way. I was young when I met Douglas. I was 17. I'm 67 now. And uh, I had been looking for this. And I'd, you know, at a young age, got into Christianity and then drifted out of it because it didn't give me what I was looking for, which was experience, when I look back, experience of my true nature. And I, at the age of 16, I started 15, I started to read up on other religions like Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Maybe they would uh, offer, you know, deliver the goods for me which led me to a workshop with Douglas Harding at the Buddhist Society Summer School in 1970. And I'd never heard of him. And uh, I went uh, uh, went along to the workshop and he got me to look, you know, point back and have a look. and. I recognized what he was pointing at. And he said that if you're interested, come and visit. And uh, he he lived in uh, Suffolk in England. And uh, I went to Cambridge, which wasn't too far from there. And I was just about to go up to Cambridge. So really a lot of my time at Cambridge was spent going and visiting Douglas. And what happened there was that uh, I could sort out my intellectual doubts I read everything he would written, but also I met lots of others. And this was just friends at his house. It wasn't, you know, he didn't pay. And I have found that getting uh, to know others and, and making friends with others who are valuing the headless way has been really supportive. And one of the characteristics of this community of friends, a very loose network of friends, really, But Douglas traveled a lot and people would come from all over the world to stay at his house in the in the village, you know. But one of the things about that community, including Douglas, was it was non-hierarchical, essentially, because everyone got the headless space and you can't get it more or less. and, And so there isn't a hierarchy of seers. We're all equal and uh but we all have different reactions and that was really uh important for me to be in a community of friends where this was normal normal to be this way because you know in the rest of the world it's not and ever since then i i've uh, kept in touch with these friends and made more friends and uh, there's a growing community of friends including lots going online in Zoom meetings, which people are welcome to attend. They just have to get in touch with me through the website. But this is, uh, a, uh, this is not a guru and disciples. This is everyone aware of their true nature and sharing how that works out in their lives. So we're all learning from each other. Uh, so that has been the theme of my life. I've been fortunate in that I have in a way since 17, grown up in a society where seeing your true nature is normal. Right. And natural and down to earth and not hyped up. And um, God, I've been reading a biography of John Wesley, who started the Methodists. Are you aware of the Methodists at all? It's Um, It's a Christian denomination. In the 1720s, 30s, 40s, you know, around then, And it was so full of conflict and of people trying to decide what was the truth and, you know, incredibly kind of, uh, you know, the differentiation between one view and another split the movement. And you think, wow, uh, the Headless Way um, is a nonverbal experience. So you you accept that people are going to say it in different ways. And that is such a different... You know, it's not without conflict between people, but you, uh, you know where there's no conflict, which is right where you are in this open space where there's no, you know, where, where you can't get it wrong.
0: Right. Yeah. It's interesting to think there's no, it's uh, funny you said there's no conflict. It's, it's funny to me to imagine a group of people talking about the headless way and just a big fight breaks out, you know, <laughs> and says, no, you're well, not headless. I, or...
1: <laughs> I, I want to make clear that it's not saying there's no conflict between people. Right. OK. But, uh, because uh, there are and there are differences. But um, you see, w- what I can do is be aware of the space in which that conflict is happening. Right. A- and then operate from that. You know, I'm not even expecting others to behave themselves. Uh, uh, if I Now, let me see where... You know, we're two out there on the screen, but there's one consciousness. Now, let uh, and two voices in one consciousness. You've got your different view from me, but let me uh, be aware of the one consciousness and then see how that affects it. It's not going to control the situation, but it's going to uh, mean that I, um, yes, I. I I've got in my awareness this other side of things, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing you touched on there the two voices in one conscious uh, conscience of, of the idea that, you know, I'm, and this is kind of what we've been talking about. Like, I'm talking and my voice is coming out of my mouth and your voice is coming out of your mouth, but they're appearing in the same place, yeah. essentially. Yeah. yeah they're, both, both voices, I'm hearing both of them the same way. That's right, two voices in one consciousness. Right, right. Now,
1: you see, nothing has changed, but now we're hearing it in a different way, right? Right. And now, uh, you see, at the level of Joe and Richard, I say, this is Richard's voice, and that's Joe's. But at the level of who I really am, I say, both voices are mine, and I'm talking to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Now, both, both, both are valid ways of putting it, but we normally only do the... You know, I'm me and you're you and we're separate bit. Well, what you know, if you start to enjoy that experience of two voices in one consciousness, it, it's a very different kind of being with a so-called other person.
0: <laughs> right. It's 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 very um interesting and fascinating. Now now do you still study other um I don't want to say other things, I'm sure you study something else, but other uh, schools of Buddhism, do you do different kinds of meditations or is it, is it basically just the Headless Way for you? This is what worked best for you. And so that's what you do. Or,
1: Well, I've explored quite a lot of things in my time before I came across Headless Way a bit, but afterwards. And um, for four years, I was in a Buddhist meditation center in England and uh, I went to just... Uh, uh, find out about vipassana meditation and uh, it was really it's about 10 years after I'd met Douglas Harding and I, I think in retrospect I just needed some time to be on my own with it and be quiet with it and sit you see and I found a place to do that well obviously because I had experience they recognized I, I knew what it was all about really and they asked me to train. So then for, the, for three years, I led 10 day retreats. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I had a lot of experience in meditation and in leading groups and in understanding what they were on about. And for me, you see, it, it's, it's one thing to meditate and hope to find out who you are. And it's another thing to meditate and enjoy being who you are and being the space in which the thoughts and feelings and sounds arise, you see. And uh, that was my approach. Now, since then, i i, I have uh, I've explored and been interested in the ways that other people do this. Very interested, because I, uh, you know, without sounding too kind of uh, egotistical, I thought this is such a brilliant way; it delivers the goods. What are they on about? And uh, to be honest, a lot uh, uh, most of them seem to be. Uh, just talking about it and not actually uh, delivering the experience. Um, not all of them by any means. Uh, but now in my old age, I, uh, I, I don't really. I do. I, actually I do. I mean, I listen to the interviews Sam Harris does with people, and and I uh, and other things. Um, and I, you know, my questions are: Are you aware of who you are? you're a teacher are you aware of who you are are you delivering it to your students quickly and clearly or are they sitting for decades hoping (laughs) you know uh, uh, now if they are it's a tragedy and you're not doing your job and is it still a hierarchical thing where you as a teacher have got something that your students don't have if that's true, that's nonsense because the headless way reveals that you, you can't get this more or less and it's absolutely available. And as soon as you've been shown it, the, the, I don't go around uh, declaring myself a teacher. I, I go, I'm a friend, uh, you know, a friend. And if you if you want to be friends, great. In terms of sharing your response to this wonderful discovery about who you are,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's I mean that's a great way of putting it, and that's a thing that I've really loved that um, Sam Harris gets across in his uh, app is that thing that that he experienced of going and on retreats for for years, exact, and sitting meditation and this idea of because that's the idea that I've had and I think is is common is that if I just sat and meditated for enough time, it will take me hours and then days, and then years, I'll be able to experience this enlightenment. And, and the experiment of having no head, the pointing, you can pretty much get there immediately. You can. Um, you yeah, can. And, and that's a really great um, discovery. And that's and that's something that I only really ever heard um, from Sam via the, the headless way. And I think that's why he, he brings it up so often is that you can sit and pretty much feel that immediately and not after years and years of practice. You
1: can, you can. And uh, of course you have to practice it. You have, you know, you've got to enjoy it. You've got to practice it. You've got to pay attention to it if you want to benefit from it. You know, one glimpse isn't what it's about and isn't going to do you any good. But I mean, it's, you're, you're practicing the, the, you know, you've got the prize, you're not waiting for the prize. You're enjoying the prize. The other thing that um, uh, sometimes people say, well, oh, well, I mean, it's so easy. People dismiss it. They just say, so what? You know, well, I don't think I think people are entitled to say "What? so what? If they want to, if they don't value it, so so what? You know what I, mean? right, right. I I I offer it, and then respect people. Uh, you know the the idea that uh, I've heard that you don't give this experience until the person's ready for it. Well, that, that seems you know like just a business idea you know don't give it them because they you they'll go off they'll have it you know uh, and anyway who are you to decide if someone's ready for it or not you see? right so I say present it as well as you can offer it freely if you can just uh, you know show what it is and then re- let people uh, do what they like with it you know I mean I'm doing what I like with it
0: <laughs> right right well you're doing a great job um, but that's something I think about with um, meditation. And I do the, this exercise a lot with pointing and the feeling of, of having no head. And um, I have a little note on my desk that just says, um, and I got this from some Buddhist podcast or book somewhere that says nothing to do, nothing to be, nothing to have. And it's this idea that, I, there's nothing I need to accomplish or do or be or or have to be first of all worthy of of love or or anything I don't there's nothing for me that i that I need to do. I can just sit and I am this breathing conscious um, being, and it really those moments where I feel that I sort of lose that ego I guess and that sense of being self that I feel the best, and, and this really does yeah. um, help me get there.
1: Well, yes, and I think again, it's this two way thing, in and out. You see, when you look in, you're empty space, so that you can't do anything there. You see, uh, you can't be anything there, or do anything there, or have anything there, because it's just empty and it's still. But the paradox is, is being aware of that uh, takes away the obstruction to really doing things in the outward direction. It means you can, you, when appropriate, you can really get on with things and really apply yourselves because here at the center, you've got this kind of stillness and it's very creative stillness. So the, 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 sometimes people think, Oh, that means I won't do anything. You see, Oh well, no, this inner stillness and inner idleness and inner, emptiness and poverty uh frees you to really go for it and live your right. life fully you know uh, right. it takes the brakes off and uh, I, I think often enough the mark of someone who's living from who they are is they're really going for life they're not right. you know uh, playing some kind of game of being holier than you know i'm not going to do anything uh, wh- what a shame that would be you know uh, to, to miss out on this wonderful adventure of life, but how do you live life fully? Well, you get out of the way. You see, this is sort of getting out of the way and going for it and being yourself, and you, do you doing it in Joe's way and me doing it in my way? You know, from this common um, ground. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's really beautiful. The only thing I'm disagreeing with you on here is uh, I think we should be teaching this to everybody. I mean, I, th- I think maybe not kids, 30-year-olds, 25-year-olds. Uh,
1: yes, I, th- I, my work is to make this as widely available as possible.
0: Right. So
1: I, if you mean by teaching, you know, uh, make making it all available and and how it makes sense yeah i'm with you all the way there for, for sure and that's why we're talking that's why i'm talking this is a opportunity to reach a few more people
0: gotcha right yes well a whole, very few i mean a couple thousand a couple thousand people are listening to this i don't know how many of them already um knew yeah, about but you but you
1: see even one person right uh, it, 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 waking up to this is the world waking up in them and, uh, uh, you, you, you know, uh, don't underrate that. Uh, it's, it's not really, numbers are important. But on the other hand, when you look and see who you are, you see everyone is within you. And who knows where that will go?
0: Yeah. Right. Well, I really appreciate uh, you being on. Is there anything that you wanted to um, talk about or would like to add that we didn't get to or that I didn't bring up?
1: Well, a real delight to talk to you, Joe, and to uh, share this, uh, this experience of being space for the world. Uh, now, if, if the listener you know, has got questions, there's lots on our website, which is headless.org, and lots of experiments and links to YouTube videos. There's a couple of hundred videos that we've got on our YouTube channel and link on the website to podcasts plus... We have eight ten Zoom meetings a week free for those who are uh, value this, and if you're interested in meeting others who are uh, valuing this, then get in touch through the website. Um, I, th- I can't think of anything else to say.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, what can I ask? What is that? look like now i'm a person that attends a lot of uh meetings on zoom recovery meetings but what is what does a headless way meeting look like is there a a jumping off point or is it just a random conversation i mean how does it are you talking about headless way or does it just go into what did everybody eat today how does it how does it um (laughs) what
1: what did you have for breakfast uh well uh what uh, you see there is Uh, there's a community growing so um, more or less people know each other Mm -hmm. people drop in and out and move through but it's not just completely random it is a growing group of friends um, very welcoming and we're there to share our our responses to seeing who we are and but it goes in different directions, you know, we talk about that and new people, almost new people every meeting, you know, um, and we might do an experiment or two, but it's not a kind of formalized thing. Uh, we'll break out into small groups to get to know each other. they are an hour each, each session. Um, there are one or two which are introductory things. as a friend, John, does one on a Monday, um, but you'll get all the information if you're interested, uh, you know, the, when, when I send it to you, but um, it is, uh, uh, it's friendly. Yeah,
0: yeah. That sounds fantastic. I'm gonna, I'm gonna check that out for sure. Yeah, do, do. yeah I will. Richard, thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, coming on and I appreciate your service to, um, to the community, to humanity, honestly, and you've um, meant a lot to me and it's been great listening to you today and, and, and Throughout the last few months, well, it's really a real delight to
1: meet you, Joe. Real delight, and uh, I hope this. I hope we uh, meet again yeah, through Zoom or, 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 yeah,
0: or otherwise. Okay, great, Richard. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it, and take care. Thank you.
1: Mindful Metal Jacket is hosted by comedian Joe List. Produced by Joe List. Edited by Matt Kleinschmidt. Executive producers Robert Kelly and Matt Kleinschmidt for the Laugh Button Podcast.